Hello and welcome to this edition of Deeper. It's great to have you here with us. And uh, today me and Beck are going to look at one of the passages that was considered yesterday, which is uh, Psalm 23, isn't it? It is. And uh, Psalm 23, really well-known psalm. Um, so this is a great opportunity for us to look at it slowly and in detail because it's really easy to sort of skate over it because we know mm. it. But this will be a good opportunity for us to think carefully about what it means. That's right. And sometimes, you know, when we know things really well, like Psalm 23, one of the most well-known passages in the Bible, uh, we think we know it, so we don't think about it much, do we? So why don't you uh, press pause, read Psalm 23, maybe read it in a couple of different versions, just for a bit of variety, uh, and then restart the video. Okay, so we're going to go through this verse by verse, um, just six verses. Each verse is an incredibly powerful verse, isn't it? So um, let's start with verse one. The Lord's my shepherd, I lack nothing, at least in one version. Uh, where do you want to start with that, Beck? So this is a really common image of God in Scripture, and particularly in the Old Testament, this idea of God as shepherd. Um, it's just really relatable to the mm. times. So and we've been talking loads about speaking into our culture. This is something that would really be familiar to people, that they would understand what it means for God to be like a shepherd. Yeah. Now, one of the earliest um, references to God as shepherd is in Genesis, uh, chapter 49, uh, where... I think it's Jacob refers to God as the shepherd. Uh, so it's quite a long-standing image that the people of Israel had of God. Yeah, absolutely. And here, um, it, this is probably the most famous example, but it's also a really comprehensive example. So we can't, it's really well sort of put through the whole of the psalm, this idea of God as a shepherd. Mm. And so one of the things that you know, strikes me here is that you know, David calls God my shepherd, not our shepherd. This is, in all sorts of ways, a really personal psalm. And uh, we don't know when David wrote this. Um, we, you know, it's, it's certainly later in life because he's talking about having enemies and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, and certainly having an abundance of things. So it's probably later in his life rather than actually when he was a shepherd as a boy. Uh, uh, but also there's a hint, isn't there, in certainly some of the verses, that it is at a time of conflict. And some people have speculated that maybe he wrote this when he was facing civil war with his son Absalom uh, and trying to fight for uh, the, the kingship of Israel and Judea. So um, what else do you want to see in that? Uh, in that first verse? Yes, yeah. Um, so the, the verse, it, this is a really famous verse, isn't it? And the way that we read it, we can read sort of with an emphasis on each different word that really mm -hmm. speaks to us. That's a really useful way to think about reading particularly familiar um, scripture. And this idea of lacking nothing of this shepherd, um, living in this mm. abundance of being well looked after and, and well cared for by this good shepherd. Yeah, and there's, there's a couple of ways in which we can kind of look at that phrase, I think. Uh, you know, I lack nothing or I shall not want, as um, another version has it. Uh, and maybe it's because, you know, the shepherd provides all that we need. Or maybe it is because, because the shepherd is with us, we actually don't need anything. You know, there's a kind of a double thing there. It could mean actually both, couldn't it? So there is that idea of just being with the shepherd means we can relax. And, and that comes out in the next couple of passages. So let's go on to verse 2. Um, so he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Where do you want to go with that? 
Okay, so we've talked a little bit about this, this psalm potentially being set in the context of um, conflict and hardship, but there's still this sort of um, calling to mind the beautiful, quiet places that God mm. leads us to. That um, I, I suppose it's a bit of a thankfulness thing, isn't it? That yeah. in the context of the difficulties, um, there's a remembering that God takes us to good places, that God's good to us. Um, the, the green pastures and quiet waters. And one of the things I read talked about, you know, in noisy waters um, or rushing waters, sheep could lose their footing. They could mm. be frightened by things. But quiet waters um, further downstream are harder to find, but they're um, peaceful places and places of safety um, and refreshment. Yeah. And unfortunately, the, the phrasing here, I don't think, helps us because, you know, when you think about green pastures, for us here in England, we think about, you know, lovely green meadows with long grass and maybe, you know, uh, sheep frolicking in that. That's not the case for, for those who are shepherds in, in Palestine. It was much, much harder. Uh, and so if you look at some of the hillsides uh, in Israel, uh, they are quite dry, arid places with very little grass at all. So there's something here about the shepherd taking the sheep to the best places in the midst of kind of arid, dry places. He knows the best places to go. And again, there's something about you know, the, the ways in which God helps us in our times of difficulty and suffering that he takes us to the best places, even when everything around us is difficult and actually to get to those those places in israel would would mean passing through quite dark places because mm. the where it's most green and lush is where it's shaded um which isn't true for us is it like no. we we would have lots of greenery but um the places where the water isn't sort of immediately evaporated up are through the dark shady um tree-lined places right. and there's a couple of things within this as well you know uh, he makes me lie down uh, this, this doesn't sound, it's not forced lying down, but there's something about the shepherd, the good shepherd, taking us to places where we do need to rest. And some of us need to hear that, don't we? Because some of us are just workaholics and too busy and need to find places of rest. Uh, and then there's the, the whole idea of um, uh, makes me lie down. It also kind of has this, in Hebrew, an idea of being stretched out. You know, that kind of, if you're lying down in a comfortable place and you stretch out and it's comfortable and you're relaxing and all the stress is going away, there's actually something in those words about that. And uh, we need to just pick up on that, that when God takes us to good places, we are meant to rest and find a place in the midst of difficulty uh, just to be able to engage with God again. Um, so let's move on to the next verse. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. So Hebrew word here then. Um, You're doing the Hebrew this time. Okay. The Hebrew word here is nefesh, which is um, like more like life breath than soul. Okay. So it, it literally sort of revives mm. um, the, a sense of something sort of being close to death, being so out of breath. Okay. And, and being revived Good. and breathed okay. into. Um, so that restoring and refreshing of the soul is, is literally breathing in new life. Mm. And uh, you know, the, the, the Hebrew, let's stick with Hebrew, uh, the Hebrew <laughs> round uh, refreshes or restores uh, actually means kind of a t to return. 
Uh, so it's something about returning to God is the place where you find refreshment, where he breathes his life into you. Uh, that is the key thing here. So uh, he refreshes my soul and then he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Do you want to say anything about that? So um, one of the translations talks about this as being pathways of justice. Mm-hmm. Um, and we sort of switch here from maybe thinking about sheep to thinking about human. Um but when we, when we think about that in the context of suffering, God leading us on pathways of justice suggests leading us in ways that, um, that we wouldn't inflict harm and that we wouldn't suffer harm, but that they're just places, they're safe places that he's taking care of. Yeah. So I, I was watching a, a video uh, in preparation for this and uh, uh, the, the people doing the video took us to uh, a hillside, uh, I think it was in Judea, and um, the, the, all the hills are quite steep and they talked about what shepherds would do they would sh- sometimes take sheep to the top of the hill because sometimes that's where the best pasture was but to get the sheep down uh, was actually quite difficult because the sides of the hill were so steep so they would walk around the hill constantly until they eventually got down and you could actually see all the paths uh, all down the hill as shepherds over perhaps centuries had walked that um, path down Uh, bringing the sheep down to safety Uh, and I think there's something uh, quite powerful in that image that I'll come to uh, later on Uh, so let's move on to verse 4 this is a verse that is one of the most famous even though I walk the valley of shadow of death I fear no evil for you all with me I know it off by heart I use it every time uh, I do a funeral so um, you can start on that one and then I'll chip in with something so we get this image, don't we, coming in of this dark place. We've been thinking about you know, green pastures and mm-hmm. um, good paths and still waters. And then we suddenly we're in this valley and it's dark. Um, and the, again, we, we sort of this idea of the shadow of death is really there in the Hebrew wording. This, this yeah. like, this is a dangerous and dark place. Um, and then we get this really short statement of faith. So we, we get this quite vivid image of darkness. And then I will fear no evil is like this real yeah. strong Powerful. statement yeah. of trust in the shepherd, isn't it? Mm. And I love that. The Hebrew actually is it's kind of the, for the uh, value of shadow of death. It actually does mean death shadow. I mean, that, the, the word actually means that. Um, and it's not the threat of death necessarily. It can be the effects of the fear of death. The effects of how uh, the death of others affects us, uh, and so it's a it's a kind of all-consuming word in all sorts of ways. It's more than just being afraid of being killed or dying. Uh, it's much more than that. Um, and the whole threat implies something that we see in the next verse uh, about certainly David having enemies. Um, but we'll come on to that in a moment. Uh, so the key thing here is David saying, "You're with me." And you know, Andrew brought that out really well yesterday in his, his talk, uh, how in our suffering, the key thing that we need to hold on to and talk to other people about is that God is with them. And that's here in this passage. Absolutely. Um, and so uh, it says then, uh, your rose and your staff comfort me. Have you got anything on that? Or should I just go on? You, you go, go on, on. okay. <laughs> uh, so there's a bit of a... When you look at the commentators, there's, there's not a lot of clarity about what that actually means. You know, what is a rod and a staff? Are they two separate things? Is it one thing with two different uh, uses? Um, but one thing I came up, uh, found, which I thought was quite useful, is uh, the Hebrew word for um, 
uh, for rod uh, seems to imply a kind of short stick that shepherds might use uh, for protection. Uh, more of a kind of a baton type thing, so either from thieves uh, or from wild animals. And then a staff was something that they would use to help them in their walk and to help guide the sheep. And both of those images, I think, imply something powerful about God. He is a God who protects us and he's a God who guides us, both of which can be seen in, in just those two very simple shepherd's tools. Hmm. And so we move on then to uh, the next one. Uh, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. So um, the word here, I, I've been looking at a Hebrew translation Bible. Uh, the word here, is this is really interesting. So, so when we talk about anointing head with oil, there's a sort of sacramental anointing that, that David would have received to be anointed as king. But then there's the sort of um, anointing. It's almost like a massage, the word that's used here. Okay. It's, it's more like being... Um, this is like a really extravagant thing, you know, the table's full, um, I've got this overflowing cup, my head is being massaged with oil, it's like this really luxurious image. Sounds like a spa. Yeah. yeah, it sounds yeah. good, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but this really luxurious image of being well cared for and mm. of being loved yes. in the presence of your enemies. And, and some of that implies a kind of sense of favour, God's favour towards us, I think. Um, you know, and the anointing with oil is a kind of sign of that. Uh, so there's something very powerful here about God's attitude towards us. And then that's picked up, I think, in the final verse. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Where do you want to take that? So um, the goodness and mercy of God pursuing replaces the enemies pursuing in this mm. verse. We sort of switch to, um, again, it's sort of speaking to the circumstances, isn't it? I can see these enemies are chasing me. I'm, I'm frightened. I'm in this dark place. But I know that the thing that's really pursuing me is your goodness and mercy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you're good to me. Um, and that looking for thankfulness and looking for God's goodness in every situation. Yeah. And, you know, just again, sticking with the Hebrew, the Hebrew for um, follow me, which is the, one of the more common translations, actually is, as Beck said, to pursue. To ch- it's actually quite an aggressive word. Uh, and it's almost like, you know, in the, the time of your difficulty, God is going to chase you down and find you. And uh, that's something that some of us need to hear, isn't it? That... We sometimes feel in our difficulty, God's far away. That simple word says so much more. God is chasing you down. When you think he's far away, he's actually chasing you down. Um, And so those two things are going to be with us forever. And we will live in the hospitality of God all the days of our life. That's not about eternity. That is about here and now that we live within the hospitality, his grace, his mercy and his love all the days of our life. So let's think about how we take this a little bit further. So we're going to take this wider and think about what it all means for us. And, um, and I think, we, I mean, there's lots we can do here. Uh, but uh, let's just relate it in terms of our sermon yesterday about suffering. Um, because this psalm has been used by countless people uh, to find real comfort at times of difficulty. Um, you know, it's, it's read at most funerals. Uh, it's a psalm that just speaks into our soul when we need it. 
Um, so let's just pick up on some of those things. So what speaks to you out of this verse into our suffering? So I, th- I think, first of all, it's that image, isn't it, of God as a shepherd mm. guiding us through. And, and we all want that, don't we? When we're suffering, when we... Uh, is that... We feel there's somebody with us. Yeah. And, and even better if it's somebody who knows a way through. Um, one of the things I read in the week, which um, really came to me, actually, as, as Andrew was speaking, was about... Uh, it was a Brené Brown quote about not looking away from people's pain, but mm-hmm. people needing to know that somebody's with them in their pain, even if we've got nothing to offer. Um, and I think in, in that we, we see this, don't we, that... God as shepherd with us is a reassuring thing yeah. to know in our pain. Absolutely. Yeah, when, we're, when we're going through difficulty, we want someone, sometimes not just be there, but someone who can actually help make things a bit better. Yeah, and that's, that's what God is. You know, he's our shepherd and he will lead us into uh, green pastures and still waters and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so one of the things that, that struck me as well was, you know, just a sense of rest in the midst of suffering. You know, we, we all see how people get stressed when they're finding life difficult. They, they're looking for answers. Uh, with God in our life, we can find a place of rest, even in the most difficult of circumstances. Um, and I can think of, you know, a whole range of people who, facing death sometimes, just found a sense of peace in the presence of God. And, you know, that's what this psalm speaks into, isn't it? Absolutely. What else would you want to bring out? Um, that the idea again of the psalmist recognizing the good places. Sometimes mm. when we find ourselves in difficult places, in painful places, we can lose sight of the good things yeah. that have gone before, or the good things that are happening around that pain right now. Um, but we see in this psalm that the psalmist keeps reminding himself of the quiet places, of the green places, mm. and the good places, and that God is pursuing him with goodness and mercy. Yeah. And yeah, there's also this whole sense of guidance and protection within this. Uh, you know, when we are, find ourselves in a difficult place, we're looking for a way through, uh, and God will guide us in that, and also protect us. And protecting doesn't, protection, I think, within Scripture, does not mean from either physical harm or that kind of stuff. It's about protecting our soul. Mm-hmm. And what does this psalm talk about? It talks about restoring our soul. Not restoring either our health or anything like that, but restoring our soul, that place in which we truly connect with God. Because when we have that connection, we can cope with anything. You know, if that is connection with God is secure and safe and strong, you can cope with anything that life throws at you. Absolutely. Um, anything else you want to throw in before I finish? No. No? Okay, so I mentioned earlier about the, the idea of the shepherds leading the flock in a circle around the hill to get down slowly. Um, I was talking with someone at church after the sermon uh, on Sunday and, and he was talking about all the difficulties that I had and he had many um, and he was looking at the difficulties and was struggling to see what, what God was doing he was praying for God to help him and just couldn't see what, what God was doing and uh, when I looked at this I thought if only I'd, I'd seen this before because sometimes what God does is he takes us down slowly he takes us through something and you'll rather do it slowly and safely than rush us through something where we perhaps don't learn the lessons, where we don't understand what he's doing. Uh, there is something quite powerful, I think, in that image of God just letting us down slowly through difficulty. 
We want it done quickly sometimes to relieve any pain and anxiety. But sometimes what God wants to do is do a work in our hearts as well. It's not that he's not doing anything. It's just that he's doing it slower than we need or want him to. So uh, let's think now about some questions for you to consider in your mission communities. Okay, so we've got some questions for you and uh, you're going to start, Beck. I am. So first of all, we talked loads, I've talked loads about this idea that finding thankfulness in our difficulties. So what are you thankful for? Great. Okay. Uh, my question is, uh, everyone's got a favourite verse out of this psalm. Uh, what's yours and why? Why is it your favourite verse? Okay, then thinking about that, some of the metaphors that are used. So we've talked about shepherd. Uh, we've also talked about a host so laying the table before us. Um, but Andrew also talked about king and father um, with us in our suffering. Um, which one do you find most relatable? What, what, how does that help you to think about God with you in difficult times? Great. Uh, my final question is, uh, the whole song finishes with that idea of goodness and mercy kind of chasing us down. Um, how does that make you feel? What's, what, how does that help you through any time of suffering? And then finally, um, how might you now answer a question differently if somebody was to ask you about suffering and God with us? Great. So thank you for joining us today. Uh, next week, we are going to be thinking about uh, how do we approach issues that are around the kind of clash of cultures between Christianity and our contemporary culture. How do we just approach those kind of questions? Uh, and I'm going to be thinking about that on Sunday. So join us on Sunday, either online or in person, and then on Tuesday again next week for another edition of Deeper. So take care, stay safe, and we will see you again soon. Goodbye now. Bye.